Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello, and after a few months away, welcome back to season 11 of the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler, and we're kicking off this season of the podcast with a discussion about ad-supported streaming, the value exchange, and how the cost-of-living crisis and looming recession could impact streaming subscription models. To get into this extremely hot topic, I'm joined by Vivo's Senior Research Manager, Cass McDonald, and friend of the IAB, Omar Oaks, editor of The Media Leader, and incidentally, our final pre-pandemic podcast guest back in March 2020. Unbelievable. Needless to say, our chat is fascinating. We get into the very fundamental issue of what defines TV and whether we're using the right language, the balance of hybrid models, why shared experiences remain vital, and the role of national broadcasters in a world of global companies. But I started by asking Omar why he thinks connected TV is such a hot topic right now. I think connected television, everybody's been aware of the potential for a long time, but it feels now that it's finally here. And it seems that a lot of factors have come into play, whether it's TVs have gotten better, internet has gotten faster, and actually the media owners have caught up and now you're seeing the inventory is catching up as well. So all these things are coming together to make it a lot more of a credible proposition. And I wonder if there's the fact that we're getting new players in here as well, people like Disney Plus, Netflix obviously making moves in this space as well. You talked about Netflix. This is one of these horrible things where I say, oh, you said this back along. You you talked about Netflix being quite bold with what they do and it not being a a tax on poor people. What, What did you mean by that? The idea about advertising being a tax on poor people has been around for a while. I think you referenced a piece I wrote for the Media Leader back in April. That was a long time ago. And I referenced Scott Galloway, who said something to that effect. And I don't think he was the first to say it, but he's a popular chat. People listen to what he has to say. And there's this idea now developing in media of subscription versus ad-funded products. Apple, iOS versus Google Android, right? And it's developing into people who can afford to pay for subscription versus people who don't choose to do that and have to rely on ad-funded media. And so the idea is that advertising becomes a tax on poor people if you Mm. want to take it to its extreme. Now, Netflix showed us the way in terms of delivering TV in a new way, an exciting way. We will remember whether it's Squid Game more recently or House of Cards, that was my one, or The Crown for a lot of people. They kind of developed binge viewing and new ways of doing television. Why can't they do the same for advertising? Don't just do the same thing that YouTube has been doing for years and encouraging people to skip ads. Encourage people to watch ads for longer. Be more negative. Netflix and doing ads on Netflix is what I say. And this weird thing always happens when something new comes along. I remember when iPads were very new and we weren't really sure what it would be, we ended up just doing sort of print ads because that's what we knew. Podcast and radio, you can make the example, the best podcast ads don't sound like radio ads, they sound like Adam Buxton doing something funny with your brand, not something that's sort of 30 second for radio. So I wonder if there's a bit of inevitability about this if the commercial people really get hold of it and the best way to make money is to do something that just looks like telly maybe it goes down that route if the product people get hold of it maybe we get something a bit more bold and exciting yeah i mean i wonder i mean they used to say the future of tv is netflix and now it looks like the future of netflix is tv (laughs) i mean this is the thing i mean i'm quite interested in how we put labels on media nowadays Mm. you know we just talked about subscription versus ad free but for me it comes down to what makes good content and i think people generally are aware of the value exchange whether you're paying for it through ads or you're paying for it through subscription right i think we worry in media too much about that side of things versus 
What I'm really interested in is how we actually label media versus what is TV nowadays? It seems like a simple question, but if you say that anything is video is TV, does that mean TikTok is TV? Mm. When you don't have a broadcaster like a traditional ITV or a Sky in the same way with compliance and all the rest of it, does that, are we actually got the criteria right for what determines TV? I think we need to reevaluate that. And to you, to your point, I love that because when you think about how media develops, a podcast is audio, but it's just really someone, yeah. a bunch of people like we are doing speaking. Yeah. How does that define itself? And I think we might actually find in five years' time, we kind of start to lump things together in ways we aren't doing right now. And maybe not even, dare I say it, using the labels TV, wow. radio, etc. anymore. We've got a prediction already. That's incredible. Kaz, just on definitions then... Take us on a whistle-stop tour of definitions within Connected TV. I mean, we've already got into a few already, but how do you guys see it at Vivo? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say that Connected TV, as you've said, what's TV anymore? It's so broad at the moment, and I think the the main definitions that we're looking at and the ways which we're seeing to decipher it is the ad-funded versus the full subscription versus the hybrid model. The ad-funded is predominantly where we sit, it's where Pluto TV sit, it's where Roku sit and then you have the full subscription which is Netflix where we know it currently, it's Prime if you're excluding Freevee, it's Apple TV and I think the hybrid model is where the most interesting data and insights are coming from at the moment. To Omar's point earlier, we're seeing Prime move into that space now and, dis- pardon me, Discovery Plus, when they launched last year, they launched as a hybrid model. And I think we're going to see plenty more plenty more services move into that hybrid model now of giving the consumer the choice of if they want to subscribe via, via full subscription or if they want the ad-funded version yeah. of a product. You don't have to look very far to see where else this is working. I think about some of the news brands. I think about Spotify. There's a, the, yeah. you know, it, the the hybrid thing works. It doesn't have to be this binary choice of right. And I think maybe Netflix got into there. I remember Reed Hastings being CEO of Netflix, being quite disparaging of ads. Uh, I remember Jonah Peretti, BuzzFeed, being very disparaging of ads as well. There's sort of this this idea that perhaps how something starts and it's sort of very pure and we don't want this advertising thing touching. But of course, one, it's a model that works, it's viable, it's kind of, it's sustainable. And I think, as you said, Omar, people kind of get it. We don't have to spell it out to them that if you want stuff that's free, there is a value exchange there and people get it. We don't have to sort of sit in darkened rooms and worry that people don't really understand this. Or better still, give them a choice. Yeah. Pay for it if you want, uh, but you can get something. You can get something with ads. You touched on creativity, Omar, and I wonder whether it's a bit of a rose-tinted thing that the industry does when we look back at you know telly of old, and people used to enjoy the ads as much as they did the programming. Is that just us sort of coming up with that? I say the sort of the royal us is the creative bit when we get to connected TV really important. Was life better when I was younger, or was I just too dumb to understand what life was we really like? We used to sing the, the songs in the playground. Yeah, they're really good ads. You could tell they're a good ad because you go and sing the song in the playground. I know. No, uh, yeah, it was a different world. I mean, I suspect Cass is a lot younger than I am. <laughs> but like you, I remember being worried going to school in the morning when people would give me the tango slap in the face. <laughs> You've been tango. God, that yeah, would be yeah. fire. It's a different world when you grow up and you only had four. At the end of the 90s, it was five channels to choose from. We didn't have Sky in our house. You'd all watch EastEnders and Coronation Street. You'd all see the ads on TV. It was a shared experience. Yeah. And even we just we just reported on the media leader last night, the TV viewing figures, the overnights, I should say, the early estimates for the Queen's state funeral. And it was just over 25 yes, million. Incredible. Now, that's huge. Mm. That's huge. But it was lower than Princess Diana. 
1997. It was lower than the England, Italy and the England, Denmark big massive football games last year. And obviously those figures don't take into account how many people watch online. Mm. So that was an interesting test about how a shared experience nowadays is is fractured into a lot of people. They won't even be watching. They'll just be looking at what other people are saying on Twitter. That's a shared experience for them. And I think the evolution of TV needs to be able to incorporate that because we don't you can't because there is because the internet has enabled so many ways for media to interact with us Mm. we're not just being fed the same content at the same time anymore so if we can choose how we do it and we choose to interact with one another that's tv needs to be able to enable that if it wants to well uh, maybe it doesn't want to do that that's the big question for tv whether streaming platforms as they develop we could talk about itvx which is going to launch in november whether that interactive element needs to be a part of it as well and is your sense that broadcasters are starting to think about this as well because i mean before you work for viva i mean you've always kind of been in telly whether it's production or broadcasting and things like are these things that are keeping them awake at night do you think absolutely i think it's very important to to bear those things in mind from viva's perspective we're not necessarily making the creatives but it's, it's all the same in terms of what you're providing for the consumer having contextual ads i think is one of the things that is the most important about the connected tv experience there are a number of studies and enough experience to show that you know providing the right creativity the right ads making sure that content is king and that your programming is sticky etc all of those things are really important for the consumer and is going to make your streaming service successful if you know all of those things are brought together correctly the vivo website there's a brilliant line on there music videos are back in the living room which i maybe gets to this point (laughs) of perhaps i remember just watching music videos on like 3g connection on the back of the bus or something (laughs) but this idea that it is on this massive screen in the living room where maybe more than one person watching it it goes further it says that 40 percent of vivo's audience these are us numbers i should add are ctv viewers as well so i mean that's huge yeah it's absolutely massive and we are we're seeing music videos come back into the tv screen and it makes complete sense it's the best case to showcase an artist's work it's on the biggest screen like you said it's a shared experience we're seeing a coving factor of about 1.6 so people are they're sharing those moments with their spouse their child their friends and they are they're watching it together in the uk 30 percent of our monthly reach is coming from the connected tv so it's huge audiences mobile is still number one for the most part but ctv is very much creeping up um you know, our biggest day of the year was New Year's Eve two years ago, and that was because of the increase in connected TV viewing right. and because so many people are sharing in those moments together. So, yeah, connected TV is really important for us, for our artists, for our labels, and being able to showcase and demonstrate their work on the TV screen. And do you think it's incremental viewers that you're getting, or do you think it's it, people that might have watched on mobile, but now so it's sort of cannibalising it, or do you think you're getting incremental viewers because of it? Yeah, I'd say it's a combination of both. When we look at our reach, particularly among 18 to 44s, we're looking north of 70% UK population reach a month. So in terms of the audiences we're able to reach, we're almost maxing out as to how many we can get. And it's huge. We have reach at scale. But when we are seeing some of that connected TV viewing coming from there, it is, like I said, it's kids, which can't be measured. But, you know, when we do our internal research and we're looking at who are you watching the connected TV screen, it's those under 17 who aren't necessarily being measured by our analytics. So, yeah, particularly COVID 
live viewing as well. Where in the market, connected TV isn't very well measured at the moment. There isn't any way to measure co-viewing and metrics like that. When we're doing those that internal research, it allows us to see where that incremental viewing is coming from that may not be accounted for by the typical analytics we're seeing. Got it. Maybe we need a bold new approach. Measurement of co-viewing audiences. I'm thinking big sort of eye-tracking headsets on <laughs> members of family to see. I want to see where those Venn diagrams come together, <laughs> like mums and dads and what they're watching with kids. I'm sure it's uh, nothing too risque. Let's go back to broadcasters for a moment. You talked about ITV Channel 4 is in a odd place at the moment, I would imagine, just because we're not quite sure what's coming out of, uh, out of DCMS. Are these things that are keeping them up at night, do you think, in terms of do we really have to think about this, a subscriber model, or can we continue to be completely ad-funded? Yeah, I think absolutely. And Cass was speaking just there, I was reminded of when you said that New Year's was a really popular time for you. I think I actually became aware of Vivo, the connected TV app, around Christmas time last year that you said it. There are probably reasons for that I won't go into. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it absolutely is. And because it reminded me when I was watching Vivo and really getting in for the first time, because I was aware of the... You know, I see the music videos on YouTube, but I wasn't aware of this algorithmic kind of how they serve you mm. videos and it gets to be quite addictive after a while. And then you become aware of the curated stuff as well. Really interesting stuff on the connected TV app. I'm not just saying this because you have said this to other people. And it got me thinking about where the hell is MTV? Yeah. Why am yeah, I yeah, never yeah, yeah. watching MTV? You mentioned James sitting at the back of the bus watching videos. I remember going around to people's houses specifically yeah. to watch music videos yeah. on yeah. YouTube, MTV yeah. Base, etc. right? What has happened to them? You click on MTV nowadays and it's all kind of like really crap shows about supermarkets and it's terrible. What has Paramount been doing all this time? I don't know. And this is... In terms of what keeps broadcasters up at night, that is an example how you could be doing really good things as a main broadcaster like ITV or Channel 4, but somewhere in the background there's another Vivo developing who's yeah. thought of something you haven't, and maybe somebody internally has thought of that, but because, you know what it's like, it's, it's the classic innovator's dilemma where you're doing something successfully, you don't want to yeah. cannibalise or kind of ruin what you're doing right now, but that thing is creeping up, and sometimes it's just a lot easier for an incumbent, for an insurgent, sorry, to come in and do that. So I think more than the political shenanigans of these prime ministers come and go, political agendas change, I think the fundamental challenge of how you retain consumer loyalty and you keep media interesting in that shared viewing experience plus the addressable experience, I think that is what keeps them up at night. And I wonder whether, I think it's a brilliant point on what we said earlier, is there a sort of groundswell of a will to change? This idea of TV becoming a lot more like digital might not be a very comfortable feeling because, of course, telly is this sort of wonderful thing that we've had for years and years. It's got legacy. It's proven to be incredibly effective. The moment you start to veer away from that and it's something that's bought programmatically and looks a lot more like something that could be skippable, it feels less like traditional telly. And I wonder if there's nervousness in some parts around becoming like the rest of digital and whether there's some resistance to that at all. Well, I think there should be. There is still going to be big audiences for your soaps, for live broadcasts, for primetime viewing, Bake Off, MasterChef, whatever you're into. But the long-term prognosis is, are you telling me that if someone at ITV just thought, you know what, we're going to bid for Premier League rights, Mm. or we're going to... Okay, Marvel's too expensive, but yeah, we're going to buy a really huge franchise and that's going to be exclusive on our platform. They don't do that 
because they're a national broadcaster. And this is the problem. We're comparing global broadcasters. We can have global reach. These companies like Amazon can pay multi-billions of pounds for commissioning content. And it's not even, you don't even see it in their balance sheet. That's the challenge. And and so you're into a world where we have very much local broadcasters. Mm. And there will always be a place for local broadcasters. The problem is we don't want it to go the same way as we had with the regional press in this country, and even worse in the US, where the companies involved just didn't sort out the advertising model quick enough. And a lot of those newspapers have disappeared. I know, I used to work at one. Yeah, it's a really really good point. Well, if we're being a little bit too downbeat on broadcasters, we were talking just before we we started our conversation here about this once-in-a-lifetime World <laughs> Cup and Christmas. I mean, what a yeah. bumper year 2022 yeah. is going to be for telly, despite all of the other headwinds going on. Absolutely. We were saying we don't think we'll ever see this again in our lifetime. And for that reason as well, the ad market at the moment is going to be huge, particularly on linear TV. And yeah. the prices are, I'm sure, soaring for those coveted spaces. <laughs> um And I guess without plugging Vivo too much, this is a way where alternative methods to linear TV, where we were talking about the John Lewis ad, etc., if I can mention them, where those big ads are going to be placed around key content, particularly the England games, around the Christmas movies, etc. These streaming services where we do have hybrid models are looking to connected TV to plug those gaps. Because also I think what's sometimes forgotten about is not everyone does want to watch the World Cup. So there's an audience out there who won't be, Mm. not me personally, I'm a huge (laughs) But there are audiences out there who won't be watching the World Cup. So how do we make sure we cater to them and making sure that they're receiving the correct ads for them, etc. And for those that are watching the World Cup, there's some alignment as well. So on Vivo, we do. We have music videos which align really well with football. And after you've just watched the game, you may want to go and listen to Three Lions or things like that. So it's really important for us to make sure that we're providing an offering as well, an alternative to the TV. And it's really important for the broadcasters to to be i'm sure you know as the brands are probably coming to them but to be capitalizing on those moments because yeah the ad space is going to be swelling and i guess the economics are there is not an unlimited amount of television spots that are available right they're finite so the price will go up and if brands want a connected uh, a TV-like experience, then Connected TV could serve them rather well this Christmas. Absolutely, and we've said it many times. If it's being served to you through the TV, mm-hmm. what is TV? Do you care if it's if you're receiving it via your linear experience or if you've chosen to put on that programming? It's to, you know to consumers, TV is TV. Yeah. So that's the important thing there, and where you're buying it, as long as you're buying around premium content, which is of good quality, mm-hmm. as long as you're reaching your desired audience and you know who your audience are and where they are, whether you're necessarily getting that spot around the World Cup or you're getting it around another piece of premium content, how important is that? I'm going to ask you both to shine your crystal balls, if you may, (laughs) and gaze into them longingly in a sort of mystic Meg style. Omar, what do you think we'll be talking about in a couple of years' time? Is the world of CTV going to become more ad-funded or do you think we're going to sort of swing back to more subscription once we get over recession and cost of living crisis where, of course, some of those things might fall away. What does the future look like? That's the big unknown over whether how long the cost of living crisis will last and when that pendulum will swing Mm. caused by that. I think generally it's going to be more of a swing towards ad funded. 
because it has to. Yeah. I think you're already seeing... What was it Netflix used to say? Our greatest competitor is sleep. Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there's only so much you can binge yeah. watch. I've tried and failed. <laughs> but there's only so many subscriptions. I'm sick of having you know, three different subscriptions to three different companies. Unless there's yeah. going to be something yeah. interesting happening with bundling, which mm. is never going to happen because these are all massive media companies. They're not going to do that. But unless there's going to be something happening with bundling, it's just going to become even more polarised in terms of as the cost of living crisis continues, there are going to be people who are okay and there are going to be people who are not okay unfortunately and those not okay people are going to have free content funded by advertising which is why I bang on and on about I'm always going to defend advertising the principle of advertising even if there is a lot of bad advertising out there because advertising is fundamental to how we have a free media and we need a free media for democracy and entertainment and society and all the things that we rather like rant over I see things becoming more polarised I think people need to stop getting on the high horse about advertising frankly if there weren't so many people running big tech companies like Reed Hastings who perhaps grew up in a world where they could afford to pay for a lot of subscription content versus people who didn't I think that they would have a more appreciative understanding of advertising from the outset so I see that happening I think what's the interesting next step has to be integration of audio into TV as well. So it was interesting when before Netflix announced they were going to launch the ad-funded tier, I thought there was a potential merger acquisition with Spotify in the offing. Mm. I thought that would be massively interesting and accretive for both companies. Once you start to have that platform where you've got subscription content with subscription audio, subscription podcasts, and we talk about bundling, that is a bundle that a lot of people would want. And you start to see the synergies you know they both now the common objective is to increase ad advertising yeah. why that didn't happen i think is potentially a missed opportunity maybe it still will happen one day i don't know yeah. but those are my one and a half predictions love it <laughs> one and a half not too much to argue with there Cass. no absolutely not i completely agree with you i think we are going to start to see more mergers happen whether you know it will be audio with streaming services or we started to see it in the linear market already with you know Viacom, CBS, Warner Brothers, Discovery, three of my former companies have just, now merged. Just taking them off. <laughs> sorry, sorry for slagging off Paramount. No. What's next for Viva? I mean, this could be huge. I know, right? But no, I definitely think we're going to see more mergers in the market. And to Omar's point, being in a cost of living crisis, you have to think about what's actually worth paying for, which of these, you know, streaming sites are serving me the most and what do I want to continue to pay for versus what am I happy to be ad funded? Mm. And I think that's what we're going to see as well. I think the hybrid model is here to stay. And I think we're going to see more of putting that back on the consumer, giving them the choice of do they want to fully subscribe or do they want an ad funded version of the content they're receiving. So I think that's what we're going to see moving forward, more of that. Amazing. Well, look, thank you both very much indeed. Omar, Cass, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Editor of the Media Leader, Omar Oaks, and Vivo's Cass McDonald there. The discussion around shared experiences is one that fascinates me because that all looks like it's shifting. And of course, we're doing all of these things at the same time. That very old phrase to coin it of sort of media stacking. You know, we're not just doing these very binary things like I'm watching television now or I'm listening to a podcast now. Of course, we're doing all sorts of media things all in between and at the same time. And of course, as technology changes so is audience behaviour. So trying to define this stuff, trying to summarise it and trying to, I think, move with the change is is fascinating. But 
Absolutely. Where we got to at the end is that the future looks very ad-supported shaped. And of course, we at the IB don't think that's a particularly bad thing. That's it for today. Regular subscribers will know that we have a mini-series running alongside this season of the podcast, hosted by the IAB's Sophia Haynes. The series, titled Diversity Unlocks Discovery, is produced in partnership with Meta, and in six episodes across the next year, we'll explore different aspects of inclusion, diversity and equity with tips for reducing bias and creating change. In the first episode out last week, Sophia talks to Meta's Zara Chatu, and it's a genuinely fascinating and useful discussion. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. And we'll be back later this week with a change of gear as I speak to Eduardo Usteran about the government's data protection and digital information bill. That's all for now. Thanks very much for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.